Okay, if you open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 7 this morning, Matthew chapter 7. Thank God for 7-Eleven, right? You remember 7-Eleven stores? Yeah, that's not what the message is about, though. <laughs> Messages is about verses 7 through 11. And 12 is tacked on also. And we'll, we see that it, uh, you read it and you think, well, this is out of place, uh, verse 12. But we'll hopefully tie it in by the end of the sermon. So uh, it'll be really 7 through 12, but... The prayer is 7 through 11. That's what it primarily involves, those verses. So, with that being said, in verse 7 it says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. For what man is there among you when... His son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone. Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law of the prophets. This is the law and the prophets. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, I just ask you, as you tell us to come before you, to just be in charge of this service. I don't want to be, and I don't want anyone else to be. I want you to be. I want you to convict our hearts. Lord, deal with our lives and encourage us, strengthen us, uh, teach us, instruct us. Whatever needs to be done, Lord, I just pray that you'll do it. Pray that you'll use the message, of course, and the messenger in presenting the message. Help it to be with clarity. Help us to understand more clearly what you're saying. And Father, I just pray that it certainly will be a challenge before our hearts and our lives to, to be more faithful in this area, an area of prayer. But this cannot happen without us being willing to listen. And so I just pray that we will be. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will have freedom to deal with our hearts and our souls. And then I pray that uh, we will be responsive. That we will be obedient. That's what you call us to do. And so I just pray that that will also happen. And I pray that your grace and its sufficiency will do the work that's necessary in this service that needs to be done today. In all of our lives. Well, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God for 7-Eleven. As Jesus comes to a close concerning his discourse on kingdom living, he closes with a prayer. And prayer is the only subject twice mentioned in these verses, a Sermon on the Mount. And this may be because we need to take note of it. We need to see that it's a of key value to the Lord. And he wants us to know how important it is in our lives. To know how to speak to God is more than knowing how to speak to man. He is letting us know that, this, that it isn't just power with men that we're seeking. That's not the issue. We should be seeking the power of God. 
as we're going to him and speaking to him. No doubt the need of prayer is the reason that the Lord brings up the, ser- the subject uh, in the sermon at two points. And it is of certainty that, and most appropriate that it is to be taken in this context. Is prayer mentioned other times in the Bible? Certainly it is, isn't it? And you need to take it within its context each time it's mentioned. This is not the only uh, teaching on prayer, if you will. And this is very important. So we, as we look at it, it is uh, the entire sermon, Sermon on the Mount, concerns the character of the life and ministry that the disciples of the kingdom should possess. Now that is very important within its context. When he mentions prayer and asking, what kind of life, what kind of character do we need to be developing in our life? And so the integral part of possessing this character and demonstrating it to the world is by prayer. Talking to the Lord, talking with Him, communicating with Him, and being dependent upon Him. And the following context is also very important. The subject of entrance into the kingdom of God will be brought up in verse 14. And prayers play a very important part as far as asking there concerning being brought into the family of God. So the immediate context with its exhortation concerning criticism, you remember what we just spoke about last week, criticism, being judgmental, this is very important. And it suggests a subject of prayer which concerns wisdom in how to know how not to be judgmental when you deal and discipline believers. So God gives us many principles in his word, but he does not give specific methods or rules for every conceivable situation. Prayer is the indispensable necessity for making biblical judgments did you hear me there let me say it again (coughs) prayer is the indispensable necessity for making biblical judgments I'm afraid we rush to things too often too quick without praying about it and asking God for wisdom or seeking it through his word And praying as we study his word. And learning his principles and guidelines for living. This prayer is one of the greatest and most comprehensible promises God gave to his people. But also, at the same time, I want to say this message here on prayer is one of the most abused passages in the Bible. What do I mean by that? God nowhere promises that everyone will be wealthy or everyone will be healthy. All you've got to do is name it and claim it. 
It does not teach that. And it's been abused by many over the centuries. Jesus has just been talking about how to live as <coughs> godly people, kingdom people. And to live in a pleasing manner to the Lord, we need to understand the need for grace and mercy. So in the immediate context that we looked at last week, Jesus was talking about not being judgmental. So how should we deal with that which is wrong in the lives of Christians? Well, we should be discerning, shouldn't we? And discriminating. But without divine counsel, without wisdom from the Heavenly Father, this cannot happen. So, happen, so what do we need to do? We need to pray about it, don't we? We need to ask God for guidance and His wisdom. How to handle it. What to do. We also need to understand that this passage concerning prayer is not a comprehensive teaching on prayer. You should not take what is said here on prayer and isolate it from what is taught in the Word of God about prayer elsewhere. And we've already talked about that and mentioned that. It's not a naming and claiming type thing to be abused here in that way. Now what do I mean by other places in prayer? Well, we shouldn't isolate it with, okay, if I just ask, then it's going to be given to me. Anything I ask, No. In James 4, 3, he says, you ask and receive not because you ask with wrong motives. So that you may spend it on your pleasures. Also, in 1 John 3, 2, it says, so that talks about asking with wrong motives, self, selfish motives. You don't pray that way. Second of all, uh, obedience. 1 John 3, 2, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we what? Keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So if you're going to be disobedient, don't expect God to answer your prayer. All of a sudden you get in trouble and you've been in a disobedient life and you say, God, get me out of this mess. Uh-uh. You need to get your heart right. And then you need to say, God, may the consequences come. If you can deliver me from them and you see so, then that's fine. But God, if I'm to learn from them and I'm to face it, then that's so also. Another teaching on uh, prayer is uh, in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, you husbands, likewise. Oh man, here he is talking about us, husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way as a weaker vessel. That doesn't mean that uh, she's weaker men mentally or whatever. It just means that you're to be the head of the home. In the sense that you're to lead out. I'm to lead out. We're to be protectors. Does it mean that she doesn't have input? No. She has great input into it. And she is to be by herself. But we're to protect her. And so he says, since she is a woman. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Whoa. Peter's telling us that. For husbands' prayers not to be hindered, we must show proper consideration for our wives. Haven't always done that, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I'm not the perfect husband. Right? No. I see you're laughing over there. Okay. And then submissive to the will of God. Okay. Matthew 6, 24. 
if we're trying to serve both mammon and God. He says, let not man expect that he will receive anything from from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In other words, we can't live, and how many of us are doing this today in the church? I mean, us. I'm talking to all of us, me and every one of us. How many of us are trying to live in the world and then live in church a different way? Or to let people see that we're, we're a different way, whether we're a different way or not. He says, no, there needs to be that consistency, not being double-minded. Don't expect prayers to be answered. And then he says in 1 John 5, 4, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. To have confidence that he's going to hear us even. Because he has a right to shut us off. To hear us, then we need to be praying according to his will. And how do you do that? That's by spending time with God. You see, letting his will become our will. And that requires an intimate relationship with him. And that requires a a, uh, consistency with him where you desire him and his will more than you desire your will. Now these are not easy people. But these are different aspects of prayer. So here, when you just latch on to just one verse and say, boy, all I've got to do is ask. All I've got to do is seek. All I've got to do is knock. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't expect that and have your prayers answered. That is not it. It's not naming and claiming. I'm sorry. And I don't know who in the world or where it got started. But it's not biblical. So first of all, Christ reveals the condition for prayer in this passage. Now, Christ reveals the condition for prayer in this context, you could say. Just one aspect of prayer, remember. It says, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. (coughs) Do you know that there's three imperatives? Now what is an imperative? It's a command. An imperative is a command. That's all it is. So, there's three commands here. Ask, what? Seek, and knock. Very good. You did well. Okay. And then there's what? With these imperatives, there's three results. It shall be given to you, you shall find, and you, it shall be open to you. Well, Mike, you just said, that, hey, you can't do that. Ah, oh, let's take it in its context, people. Remember, that's a key word in studying the Scripture. And to do this, there's two kind of imperatives I want to bring out today. Number one is there is a kind of imperative that is in an aorist tense. You say, what is an aorist tense, Mike? Well, it starts with an A, A A-O-R-I-S-T. And that's how you spell it. An aorist tense means that there is one particular thing at one specific time. 
You want me to illustrate? Sure you do. Okay. Sun, stop at the light. That would be imperative. What? Stop at that light. Right? That specific light. Stop at that light one time. That is a command, son. Don't you run that. Stop at that light. Then there's another kind of imperative. It's a present imperative. Now, if Eris would be, boom, that's it, specific time, what would you think the present would be? Oh, ongoing. You're right. Correct. Hundred, you got 100 on the test. Okay. That is a command not only to do a thing once, but to go on doing it indefinitely. In other words, son, you stop at every red light. In other words, you keep on doing it. And if you don't, then I'm taking your license away from you. No. <clears throat> okay, or they will take it away from you. This, is, this imperative that we have here is in the present tense. All three Imperatives are present tense. So what is he saying there? He's saying it needs to be repeated. There needs to be persistence. All three imperatives in the present tense are implying a continuous process. So prayer should be important because it should be ongoing. You remember Paul told us to pray without ceasing? Well, it should be ongoing in our lives. And especially with needs. So this stresses the persistence and sincerity that needs to be required. There needs to be persistence and there needs to be sincerity with this request. So the condition is what? Persistence. The condition is persistence. Persistence reflects one's commitment there's two things spe specifically but I want to bring out. But there's other things that it, it, it reflects also. But uh, persistence reflects one's commitment to the power and effectiveness of prayer. We believe it. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't believe it. We believe that God can handle it. We believe that God can take care of it. And we're going to keep on doing it. How many times have we just prayed haphazardly? Persistence also demonstrates, okay, we believe in the power and effectiveness of prayer, the dependence upon the source who can take care of it. That's the second thing. It indicates belief that God can, only God can accomplish what really needs to be done. Oh yeah, he'll use us and we can do things, but hey, why are we here? How are we here? How are we existing? Who gave you the brain? I know some teachers taught that, you know, you evolved and came from a blob or whatever, but it didn't. God gave it to you, you know? Now, the way the world thinks, you'd think it came from a blob. But you got to remember, it's darkened. That brain is. They're thinking it's darkened. And they don't think with the light. They don't have the light on, as you'd say. Okay, so these imperatives should read, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Why? 
because we should be persistent in prayer. It shows that we believe the power and effectiveness of prayer and the dependence upon the source of prayer, and that is God. So we shouldn't be, become discouraged just because it's not answered, and especially not if it's not answered the way we want it to, because God is at work and he is doing something, and we just maybe don't see it because we're looking with a narrow channel, a narrow perspective our way and God is trying to open it up to show us that there are there's his way and it's a lot better way and it may be in, uh, encompassing so much more and it may be changing our hearts and our lives and other people and all this and, and you know it just on and on and on and so he's opening this up but second of all Christ gives the reason Christ gives the reason why we should persist in prayer this is very important I want you to look at verse 8. He says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks, it shall be opened unto him. So Jesus tells us that persistence will be rewarded. That's it. There's a key. Persistence will be rewarded. That's the reason. You remember in two of Jesus' parables, he gave a story of a person who prevailed in the uh, request by means of persistence you remember in in Luke chapter 11 verses 5 through 10 there was a man who lacked food to feed his guests who came at midnight pretty late isn't it but in the uh, eastern times and in, in that they were I mean it was a disgrace not to have the food there and so he knew that so he ran to the neighbor well here was a neighbor and you know uh, the neighbors usually slept up over the uh, uh, the animals uh, in their house you know they they slept on the upper roof and a lot of times, and I can just picture the, the scene. Here's a neighbor running next door, and boom, boom, boom. Well, he's not only going to wake the, uh, you know, the, uh, the owner of the house, but his neighbor, but he's going to wake probably animals if he's not careful. So he starts knocking, you know, lightly. Nobody answers. Neighbor didn't want to, uh, to answer at first. He, you know, he didn't want to be bothered, so he... And then still didn't answer. So he... And he keeps on persistently and moo, you know, and all those animal sounds and all that, you know. And so he gets up. And it says because of his persistence, he gave him what he needed. Jesus then repeated the teaching from the Sermon on the Mount in Luke. And he said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open to you. And another one is found in Luke 18, 1 through 8. You remember the widow who um, uh, is approaching the uh, dishonest judge. And so she uh, is asking and he refuses. But he, because of her persistence, it says, he answers. In verse 7 it says, And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry day and night unto him, through, though he bear along with them? So Paul you know, as I mentioned earlier, he says the same thing. Pray without ceasing. Believers are to pray faithfully and to seek to receive all that God will provide in response to prayer. But also, and this is very important, desire to be active in the inner workings of his presence and fellowship with him. You see, the condition that Jesus reveals here for answered prayer is persistence. But that persistence comes by being in that what? 
that close relationship, that condition that he, uh, he talks about is, is through a, uh, a, a relationship with him that's very close. He's talking about the Sermon on the Mount and children living a certain way, isn't he? And so he's telling us that because we desire to live that way, we find out that we can't live that way. Not without God's help. And so we seek him and pray to him and ask him to help us. Because without his help, we cannot do it. We're depraved. We're depraved individuals that are saved by his grace. And so it's only by his grace and mercy that we're able to carry out this. And so the one asking in Matthew 7, 8 is also the one receiving. The one seeking is the one finding, and the one knocking is the one who will have the door open. Now, who is everyone that he's talking about here? He's not talking about lost people. You see, he's not, he doesn't listen. He's not required to listen and to answer lost people's prayer. I'm sorry. The only prayer that, that he's required to answer is what? For a lost person. Salvation. When they seek, when they knock. Otherwise, he's not. But he does rain blessings upon the just and the unjust. But he's not required to, but he tells us that he's requiring himself to answer as we ask. But those at that asking is according to his will for us to be conformed to him and desire what he desires for our lives. And this everyone that he's been talking about on, with the Sermon on the Mount is what? Go back to the first prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father. Not everybody can call God our Father, can they? It's just not so. It's only believers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what we're praying about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to be a part of God's kingdom is to be the resident in his kingdom, which requires to be a child of the king. Everyone refers to those who belong to the heavenly father. Those who are not of God's children cannot come to him as their father. And the two overriding relationships focused on the book of Matthew are those of God's kingdom and God's family. So you might say, well, I'm a child of king, but my prayers are not being answered. Well, we need to ask first, are we being specific? He wants us to be specific, not just general. How many times do we come to God in prayer and we just generally say things? And why do we need to be specific? Well, specific tells us that we're getting down to the nitty-gritty and that we mean business. And it is something important to us. It's not just a fly-by-night type thing. And second of all, we need to be living in obedience to the Father. 1 John 5, 14, and this is confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us according to his will. Also found in 1 John, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. 
Now, you may say, well, you know, I, I don't know. What about praying for somebody for healing? Well, we don't know. So we let the Holy Spirit intercede for us, as it says in Romans. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for people. doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for needs that we have. Because in, in the uh, model prayer, it says to pray for needs, doesn't it? It just means that sometimes we, we, we're not to get discouraged because if we don't get exactly what we want, the way we want it, or, or, or whatever, and this is another reason why we need to be specific about it, then God may be redirecting us to pray in another way. So, I believe the, uh, the heartfelt need being requested comes out in a prayer like this. And it comes from our desires that are being formulated into his desires. And, you know, I believe that God wants us to be sincere. And he wants us to be involved. And he wants us to be concerned over the needs that were be, that, so that we can send them to him in persistent praying. They don't need to be half-hearted, as I said earlier. I mean, he, he wants us to see that we have a concern. You remember when the Lord looked out over Jerusalem? He had a concern over the lost. God saved the lost. Then we go about and we don't even share. We don't do anything. We don't live a life that they can see that is different. We don't believe in it or we don't live it like we believe in it. Is that sincere when we pray for the lost? Oh, God, save my cousin. Then we, we just forget about it and we, we go about. You know, and, and uh, somebody brings it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I hope you continue pray for him. You know, I, when I pray, I, I lift him up too. Is that sincere? This is not what he's talking about. You know, he doesn't want like children at, at Christmas. They have requests for different gifts, you know, different things. And a lot of times you can see how sincere they are over those things. Because as the time progresses over the period of Christmas or before Christmas, you ask them two or three times and their list may change. You can see what is really important to them. And God wants our request to be important to us. You remember Nehemiah in the Bible when he prayed? How long did he pray? He prayed for months, didn't he? Four months, I believe it was. Four months. And then the, 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 the king came to him with a changed heart, didn't he? He didn't have to go to the king. He had a heartfelt motive and desire. Over the people, he was brokenhearted, really over the people, his people. You remember Daniel? How long did he pray? He prayed for 21 days. And do you know why one of the reasons that he prayed for 21 days? There was a battle going on, wasn't there? That we did not see. Satan wanted him to stop praying. He was one of the individuals that God involved in praying to see how important it was. And Satan was trying to stop that request from getting to Daniel. And be answered. George Mueller. You ever heard of him? He's a man of prayer. 
I read about him. He prayed for 63 years and eight months for a friend to be saved. That's a pretty long time, isn't it? How many of us would have given up on that? He prayed every day, I believe, for 68 years. Or 63 years and eight months. And guess what? He died and the guy wasn't saved. But then at his funeral, a man came. And while they were having the funeral, he bowed his head and received Christ as his Savior. Wow. He was persistent in praying. Praying persistently is not using vain repetition. It's not just saying it over and over and over again. I don't, I don't mean to be demeaning about this, but I've experienced that in praying over and over and over again. I went to a hospital one time to pray for this person that they requested our church pray for, and they went downstairs, the, uh, the preacher, the woman, and, and the daughter, and, and we went into the uh, uh, chapel downstairs, and, and we prayed for the daughter, which was good. And they said, we'd like for you to pray first. And so uh, I was serving on staff, pastor prayed, and then they said they wanted to pray. And they both got out and, and they, quote, uh, they quoted parts of Scripture over and over again. And they went on for probably two hours doing that. I think what we need to be do we need to be is we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful that we're sincere. And we need to be very careful that we're specific. And we need to be very careful that we know what we're doing when we're praying. Jesus prayed three times, let this cup pass from me. But if it cannot pass, then I'll drink it. Thy will be done, he said. So we're to pray persistently because it will be rewarded. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. But he doesn't only do that, he gives illustration. And illustration is very important. He says, or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf and give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? We've got a caring Heavenly Father. So he gives a little illustration from life as to why the process of persistent praying works. And the main reason is because that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to show that we believe that he's a caring Heavenly Father. And we'll stop at that. Let's bow our heads in prayer.